0: He's been acting in film and television since he was six years old. I mean, I know as a kid, I auditioned for a few things, so I can't even imagine being in, in films at that age. So he's an accomplished film and stage performer. Uh, he has appeared in productions, including *Freddie vs. Jason, Door to Door, Carrie and the musical Ragtime. Uh, Tyler is passionate about helping others confidently take the stage and impact an audience with their stories. He's currently the managing director of Total Buy-In and author of the number one best-selling book, The Power to Speak Naked, and we're going to be talking about all that today on the Author to Authority
1: podcast. So welcome to the show, Tyler. Oh, thank you, Kim. It's my pleasure, and I've been looking forward to this for a little bit now.
0: Yeah, because it it's actually been quite a while since we first did our pre-interview and now today, today recording it. So talk about being in films and then, you know, how did you transition into being the managing director of
1: Total Buy-In? So it was a bit of a circuitous journey, but I really did enjoy it. So when you start in film and television at a young age, uh, it means that you do it for a very long time before you ever really get into adulthood. And for me, I had a 20-year career in film and television by the time I was 25. And at that point, I decided to retire from the business because, you know, 20 years in, I get my pin and my pen and I get to go, right? little gold watch. I didn't get a gold watch. But (laughs) in my head, I was going to get one. And so I uh, I took an early retirement from film and television. And I went back to school and got an engineering discipline. background, specifically geomatics, which is a fancy way of saying map making. And I started up a a company doing aerial photography. And then that company pivoted into doing interior mobile mapping. And we were about 10 years ahead of the time and the curve. Now I see these carts all over the place and you can get it on Google for like $10,000 and start your own business. But when I was doing it, it required millions and millions of dollars, an engineering background, and uh, top secret government clearance because of the equipment that we had inside of the cart. And so subsequently, it was a little bit of a, a, bit of a cost barrier, barrier to entry to get into <laughs> using our equipment. And uh, we priced ourselves out of the market and it went nowhere. So unfortunately, that business collapsed. And uh, but with what I was doing, our primary client was the government. And when the government is your primary client, you need to have a health and safety system. So then I needed to have all this health and safety training in order to put the system together. And a friend of mine said to me, "Listen, I need a safety officer. Would you be interested in coming and doing the safety stuff?" And I said, "Well, sure, what do I need?" I basically needed two extra courses to get my National Construction Safety Officer designation. So I went and did that, and I became an NCSO and headed up north and was a safety officer for a little bit. But in giving my safety presentations, I had a few executives come to me and say, "Listen, I really like what you're saying. Would you be interested in being a keynote at our next AGM or our next safety stand down or our next town hall?" And I said, "Sure, absolutely." At the time, I had no idea what a keynote was. I just, I just said yes, and then used the power of Google to figure it out. But eventually, it led to Total Buy In, which is a safety consulting firm. So I have a team. That goes and builds safety programs and audits safety programs, uh, conducts safety training. And then as an umbrella of total buy-in is the power to speak naked, which is our speaker training programs that are specific to people who um, not necessarily want to get on the big stages like Tony Robbins or some of those big speakers, Les Brown, those types. But uh, for people who struggle in the boardroom or don't like networking and just are part of the 77% of the population who identify as having a problem public speaking. We really address that and help them overcome those fears. That is really cool. That is really cool.
0: Even like I'm pretty experienced now between stages, workshops, the podcast. Uh, I still take training. I'm part of Toastmasters, you know, so I'm always getting new training and studying. And so even when you're experienced, there's still more to learn.
1: Yes. And I'm I'm constantly in workshops, masterminds, training myself, because I have a philosophy that you need to be in three categories at once. You need to be a student of somebody who is doing what you're doing at a higher and better level.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You need to be a peer for those who are doing it at your level. And you need to be an instructor of those who haven't gotten the experience that you have yet. And I'm lucky because in what I do now, I am in all three categories. I teach, I'm surrounded by an incredible peer group that supports me, and I get to work with some of the top mentors in the world um, at this point. And that is phenomenal when you get to travel and see some big, big names do what they do. And what's really interesting is every once in a while, they learn something from me and I go, (laughs) get all excited. (laughs)
0: bit more about the importance of having those good communication skills? Because like you said, it's not just about speaking on stage. Sometimes it's speaking in a boardroom. Um, You know, a lot of our our listeners are entrepreneurs. So it could be, you know, doing a Facebook Live or speaking to that potential client that really scares you.
1: Yeah, no, if you are not particularly when you're an entrepreneur, 95% of your business is public speaking because you're marketing yourself, you are working with your clients, you are presenting that information, you are trying to network and gain more clients. And just about every interaction is some form of public speaking, where a lot of the hang up comes is we kind of categorize it. So a lot of people think public speaking in the instant, as you pointed out, stage, podium, microphone, and they forget that that's in the boardroom, that's one-on-one communications, that's on the phone, it's doing the Zooms, it's doing the lives. Anytime you are presenting information to another person, you are public speaking. And so getting that communication key, as you had mentioned, uh, the communication component is critical in making sure that your message is received the proper way, that you are coming across the way that you think you are coming across. I see that a lot with my clients when they first come on and we, I get them all to do a Facebook Live. They have to do a Facebook Live for five minutes and talk about whatever they want to talk about. I don't care, but they have to come up with it and put the structure out. And a lot of times it becomes a lost babble. And until you really start to focus what that message is, it, it continues to be lost babble.
0: I do Facebook lives on a regular basis and and I speak on a regular basis. And I do the podcast on a regular basis. Even I, uh, when I go to do my weekly Facebook lives, I have a post-it note with five or six points that I want to cover that day. I don't script it out. I, I've spoken enough. I don't need to, but again, I do not want to babble. So having those points in front of me, helps me keep focus and you know keeps everything in a nice logical order so I'm not uh tripsing off into you know things like, oh hey, did you did you notice the uh (laughs) squirrel? (laughs) (laughs) And it's easy. And I'm so
1: glad that you pointed out that you do it in bulletin point form because it's actually one of the things that I discuss quite frequently in my book, in my trainings, in my live videos. Is that when people get married to a script? That tends to be when they a get their most fear, and uh, b when they do the worst job. Mm-hmm. And I find that, um, as you said, bullet points are really the way to go. And I, I put it in the context of if I needed to get to your house, Kim,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? I'm up in Canada. I got to get down to you. I'm going to uh, put your Canada too. Oh, that's right. That's right. You are see, but I got to get across the country to you because I'm in yes. Alberta. Yes. Yes. I need to.
2: yeah.
1: yeah. So, right. So I've got to put in my waypoint to get to you. I've got to say, I'm going from my house to Kim's house, but maybe my passenger needs to go to the bathroom and I may need to pull over to the side of the road to go to the the restroom or to find a service station. I might need to get gas. We're probably going to get hungry and we don't necessarily know where those restaurants or those waypoints are going to come. And so by having those bullet points, It allows us to meander and to get off the road. And what happens is when people script themselves and they um, get really locked into this, these are the words that I have to say in this order and it cannot be anything but this. It sounds rote. You lack communication. You lack connection. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You dissolve authenticity. And these are all things that we want as speakers and presenters. So by having the bullet points as you use, that's what frees you up to explore and be with your audience and connect with them
0: you know what i agree with you for the most part one thing i have found though especially as an entrepreneur is having some core messaging or messages that you use i have found it helpful like i have my core business persona story and i don't i don't have it memorized as per you know, and say it by rote, But I know each section of the story, there's certain words that I want to make sure that I say that are important, that are, you know, key to my story. So while I don't do it from a script, um, I do have it very structured.
1: Yes. And but having that structure, and this is to, to the point, Having that structure allows you the flexibility, like you said, if you need to switch up a little bit based on your audience, you can tune it just slightly. And I'm a big proponent in uh, make no mistake. There are parts of most of my presentations that are memorized. Mm-hmm. I know like my opening doesn't change very much. You know i've, I've I'm that horrible rock star, right? <laughs> who shows up on stage and goes, "Hello!" Cleveland, <laughs> right? Because I'm going. That there's very little customization that goes into the very first part of my talk, and same with the clothes, Because my clothes needs to be my clothes. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that that those words are impacting the way that they need to. So I have very um, uh, detailed and worked endings and closes to most of my presentations, but they're usually only the last two or three sentences. Yes. And I can memorize two or three sentences, but everything else is waypoints. I know that I need to get to this. And a lot of it is wrapped in story. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big powers of using powerful things about using a story is that nobody knows the story better than you. You can retell a story a thousand times over again. It won't be exactly the same each time. But it will still have the impact as long as you know why you're telling the story. Les Brown says it famously, never tell a story without a point. Never make a point without a story. You have to know why you're inserting that into your presentation. But done effectively, it allows you the freedom to move.
0: And I think as an entrepreneur, it's really important to have your business stories. Absolutely. One of the things I teach us in the, you know, becoming that authority is the fact that you have to create those stories that
1: relate to the people that you're trying to reach. Yes. And one of the things that I teach in my web, uh, workshops too is when you're telling that story, a lot of, where a lot of entrepreneurs, when we're first starting out, and I was guilty of it too, make the big mistake is inserting ourselves as the hero in the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're not the hero. No. If you break down Joseph Campbell's uh, hero's journey model into the steps that it is, uh, your audience, your ideal target audience, your avatar, they're actually the hero. You are the sage and the mentor who is there to guide them along through the trials and tribulations so that they can overcome the nemesis at the end. And as soon as people pick that up and can understand that, that's when you start to tell a really powerful and effective story because you are the sage and the mentor and you can speak to the hero and guide them. And once you can make that switch, that's when it's really powerful.
0: Yeah, I do one called the power of words that talks about how I went from being told at seven years old that I should not write uh, to owning a publishing company. And a lot of it is about my story. But towards the end, I make the shift to the person who's listening and talking about, you know, what words have been spoken over your life, right? So yes, this the story creates connection. And if you, in, you know, my thing is, is if you're still new to storytelling and you quite haven't got that figured out yet, still tell the story. Cause yes. even though, because the story creates connection with the reader. Now it might not be the most
1: effective story, but you'll create more connection with a story than you will many other things that you do. Well, it's that famous adage, right? Stats tell, but stories sell. Mm-hmm. The worst stated story, as you pointed out, is still going to provide me more connection than uh, rote dictation of numbers. Yes. I don't care about the numbers. I care about the reason behind the numbers. Mm-hmm. So, if you can get good at storytelling, that's when you're more effective. Mm-hmm. But just giving me insight into how you, right? I can't, they always say, never judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Well, I can't walk a mile in your shoes physically but you can take me on the emotional journey or the mental journey by explaining to me how you see the world and what your insight in that was. And at that point, now I can understand your viewpoint and that's when we get empathy and understanding and sympathy and all the things that we need in order to connect as human beings.
0: Yeah. One of the things I did was I started listening to entrepreneurs telling their stories Mm -hmm. because I really wasn't sure. Okay. I always, I've always loved telling stories whether I could tell them effectively or not was a, a different case and not ramble and babble. And because it, when you're talking about that story, it can span a long period of time, but the story itself has to be concise. It can't yes. be everything that happened, you know, in that time. It's kind of like you're touching on this point, this point, this point, but it's all leading to a specific conclusion. So that's why I started listening to entrepreneurs telling their stories. And I actually started taking notes when I was listening and I'm like, okay, so they kind of did it this way. This was kind of the framework that they used. Do you suggest that as well?
1: Yeah, no, I love studying good story and it just, and it doesn't have to be entrepreneurs, right? Ted, the nice thing about the TEDx and TED stages is that there's thousands and thousands of recorded talks now, and not all of them are good. I mean, I'm, I'm a professional speaker and I probably, you know, I would say I'm, In the upper 80%, right? But I still make mistakes. I am not perfect and I love to learn. I love to learn. And I love studying the TEDx talks because there's a lot of work that goes into just getting on that stage. Mm -hmm. So those are people who had something to share and were able to get to that point. And then to be able to analyze their talk and what are the commonalities of the people who do really, really good presentations and where do they go off the rails? Because if I can see, we can all see it. I mean, we as an audience, we're not naive to when a talk is not optimal, but I like to go, well, why? Because the content was important. It was important enough to get onto that TED or that TEDx stage. So let's look at where, where things went right so that I can duplicate it and use where things could use improvement as learning lessons and so i'm I'm constantly studying presentations webinars um live presentations, TEDx talks, any kind of the YouTube lives, people who are doing the instagrams and the Facebooks Anytime I can see that i can I like to study and see well what's engaging about it, what are they using um, what technology is aiding them, what technology is hindering them all of these things I love to look at
0: it's funny i uh Just got on Clubhouse in the last few weeks because I'm an Android and I've been waiting. I got on like the waiting list almost at the beginning. So when they brought out the Android beta, I got this notification. You can try out the beta. Yes, yes, yes. And I've been doing just what you've been saying. I've been checking into the different groups, looking at the successful clubs, going in, listening to you know, how these clubs are run, what are people saying, you know, what's attracting people into these, into these rooms. And, you know, I've been noticing some different things, but it was funny. I decided to check out, there was one that was just like women networking. And I thought, ah, we'll go in and sit for a couple of minutes and listen. And everyone got to introduce themselves. And then at the end of the session, you went around and you, you said at least one nice thing about the person whose picture was on the right of yours. Now you right. may or not may not know this person. So I didn't really know the person um, that was beside me, but I went in, I looked at her profile. I had listened to what she said. I came up with a few nice things, but the lady who was speaking about me actually was the head of this, this networking group, because the person who was supposed to talk about me, I guess, wasn't listening, wasn't there or whatever. And she said to me, she said, Kim, your confidence, Came through. Your introduction was so strong. Your knowledge was so strong. And I've studied great introductions. I've studied how to talk confidently. You know, I know my messaging. And I think that's why it's important to study it and then create your own and then practice.
1: Yeah. And practice. I run a group here called Perfect Your Pitch for that exact reason. Because it frustrates me. I used to go down to uh, CEO space a lot when we were still allowed to travel. Um, and for a very brief period of time, I was actually a faculty member too. And so I would instruct on, on doing good, what they call snaps, um, and which is essentially just the 30 second elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. And it would, it would frustrate me because so many people would waste so much time with unnecessary information. I'm like, no, give me the meat. Give me the story. 30 seconds is actually a very long time if you time it out to talk. Mm -hmm. But you need to use that time effectively. And really learning and honing your message is key to that. And then finding the confidence to stand up and say, this is why you need to listen to the message that I'm saying. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been to so many networking type things, either in person or online. And, you know, someone gets that 30 to 60 seconds and they get up on the stage and they go... Hi, um my name, my name is and uh um well anyway, uh and and I'm married and yeah, and you know, and they waste like and I'm just like,
1: oh I just want to help you. And the worst is is they're not the only one to do that. True. And 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 it becomes this um repetitive cycle because the other thing is too, then you start to get herd mentality right? You have somebody start really powerful and it tends to cascade through the group because we all will mimic the really powerful. You have somebody start off weak and it starts to go. And what's worse is if you get, you know, a couple powerful ones, you know, you can change the momentum both ways too. Mm -hmm. And I just, I so strongly believe in going in prepared, knowing what you're going to say that you have this amount of time Mm -hmm. and, and using it effectively. My pitch is so easy because I don't even really talk about me. I go in and I go, you know, who here hates doing these network events? Who just struggles coming up with what they want to say every time somebody comes around and says, Tell us about yourself, and you go blank? Frankly, I struggled with it for years, but I've taken 35 years of performance and stage experience, acting and performing, and found a way that even the most introverted person here can effectively rock the stage. So if you're somebody, who would like to do better at the next networking event, come and talk to me in the back corner. Love it. Love it. Love it. I don't say my name. I don't even really say what I do. I'm identifying a couple of pain points that most of that audience is going to have. And then anybody who needs to talk to me comes talk to me. And the great thing is too, is then the people who don't need to talk to me or are afraid to talk to me or whatever, they're out. And so for the rest of the networking event, I can just get to know everyone else there without having to pitch my service without having to put in the effort of here's my business card, here's my business card, here's my business card. I've already attracted the people to me who wanted more information. I've collected their information. I don't usually typically give out business cards, I want, I want to have your phone number, If you want to come talk to me, I want to have your phone number so that I can have a better conversation with you later. And then I will we'll exchange information that way. And then I can just go and network, tell me what do you do? And how can I be of service? And that's usually how I approach most of those events.
0: Yeah, I go to networking events looking to come out of it with two to three really good conversations. Yeah. And and usually because, you know, I I am a publisher, people always have questions about book rating and things like that. And so I look for those conversations, but I I don't take this people's business cards. If we've had a really good conversation, I feel I have more value to share with them. I'll just look at them at some point in the conversation and say You know what? Unfortunately, I'm thinking about all of this stuff for you. And I've got some really, you know, I've got some really good hints and tips for you. But, you know, obviously, we just don't have enough time here to be able to share all this. It's a networking meeting. Um, You know, how about we get on the phone and I'll book it. I'll book a time right there. And I'll just say, you know what? I've got some things I want to share with you that are going to help you. And I book it right there. And like you, I just get their phone number, get their email, book it right in my phone. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's it's honestly for all entrepreneurs out there. So if they're looking, you know, your audience is, is needing this information. This is, this is the effective way to network. And I love what you said that you're going in to have three quality conversations. What a mindset to walk in to uh, an event with. I go in with a similar um, mindset. I never, I'm not prospecting for clients. Never at a networking event am I going to do that. I am looking for strategic partners in growing our businesses is usually what I'm looking for. But I really like yours, the conversation. I think uh, I might actually try that mindset a few times and see how it goes. Because for me, I'm looking at it. I know statistically that although 77% of people struggle with public speaking, only 8% are going to actually actively seek help in getting better at it. Which means if I go to a networking event of 50 people, there's only four people there that are going to be actively looking for my service solution. And that's probably not the solution that they're looking for. It's just statistically, those would be the ones who could potentially be. There might actually only be one or four that are actively seeking it. But there are so many other people there who are looking for solutions. Mm-hmm. And the power of networking is if you, Kim, as a publisher, I can go, okay, so what are you looking for? Well, you know, people who I can help be the word ninja for. Great. I am a public speaker trainer. Most of my clients, I insist, need to have a book. Yes. So if I introduce you to my clients who are and have a broad range of experience, Mm -hmm. but I can say, you now need to go talk to Kim because she'll help you publish this book Mm -hmm. that I keep harping on you that you need to do. Right? Yeah. I have my book published, so I may not need your services currently, but I'm going to be a solution provider to you by giving you clients. And then when you have clients who are like, ooh, they'd be really good if they could just get their message out a little bit better, you remember that Tyler is helpful in that area. And that's when networking really helps out by finding being the solution provider, even if your service isn't the solution.
0: One of the things I teach in the author to authority concept. So there's six key building blocks of authority marketing. And one of them is your network. And your network is composed of, you know, the crowd. Those are the people that are on the outside looking in. They're watching you, but they're not connected to you yet. Right. Then you obviously you have your clients um, and then you have connectors and connectors are people who will never probably never be your client, but they connect you to everybody else. Yeah, and so you know you have to have connectors. Um, you talked about with your speaking having having peers. I call them your comrades, so I can have them all C's. right. So you've got your comrades, those who are at the same level in your entrepreneurial journey. Those are the ones that you know you get close to. You're at the same level. You know when you're having a bad day, they're the ones that you go to because you don't want to go to your spouse or your family and say I feel like quitting today because they go okay, maybe he should quit, and the comrade goes yeah, you're just having a bad day. You don't really feel like quitting, you know, suck it up buttercup and get back to work. (laughs) Right. And then you have coaches, those who are above you, who you learn from. Right. So your network is never just about prospecting. It's about all of these people. So I loved what you said there. And uh, we're just about out of time. So I want to make sure we talk about your book, The Power to Speak Naked. So tell us a little bit about it. And then Tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly
1: of writing and publishing that book. So the book came about um, very organically from everybody asking me, how do you do what you do? And I found I was giving the same advice over and over and over again. And I'd wanted to write a book. And in fact, I had tried writing a book previously about the safety business. And uh, it, it, it was a struggle because it wasn't really the passion for me. And so this book actually came about by recording a whole bunch of my training sessions, and then transcribing the entire book and <laughs> piecing it together into a bit of a, a cohesive method so that all of the training tips and techniques that I was typically saying over and over and over again were now easily digestible and referenceable
2: mm-hmm.
1: for people who either couldn't come to the workshops or had come to the workshops and wanted a little bit more of a uh, physical way of referencing that information so the good and the bad of the ugly was it was it was very simple it was a very easy process for me to actually write said book the ugly side of it was i've never been happy with any of it <laughs> and i give this book out a lot and there are a lot of people who've read it i got a glowing review actually uh, i sent it to a friend uh, well a uh, fellow podcaster, a show that I was on a few months ago, and he was actually based in Thailand and we had a mutual friend. So, um, I sent a couple of books over and and he got one and he came back and he just was, was glowing reviews. You know, he's like, normally I critique books and I can't critique this one. I'm like, Oh, that's not entirely true, but thank you. Um, but I forget that I'm looking at it from a perspective of, where I am in my career. And I'm forgetting that this book, the, the target audience for my book is not somebody who is as accomplished of a speaker as I am. It's for people who are terrified to even stand up in the boardroom. And subsequently, the the feedback on the book has been really good, but I can't read my own book. I, can't, I just I can't do it. So that's a bit of the ugly. And the struggle with the cover has been interesting. And initially, it was going to be a free giveaway. And it was very ego driven. And so the original cover design was me and my shining face, beaming out uh, from you or to you from the shelf. And um, very rapidly, as we talked about who I was actually trying to serve with this book, we changed the cover to um, be very generic so that you could literally step into the cover. So the, the gentleman, I have a naked guy, right? The power to speak naked, naked man standing on the cover facing away so that you could literally visualize yourself stepping into the cover and walking away. I absolutely love the cover design. Unfortunately, because of it, I'm banned from advertising on Amazon, Facebook and Instagram because I do not meet their um, quality standards, which I laugh at because now that I've these are things that I have in my Google search engine very often is you know, what are the this the criteria of it now i get a a whole bunch of harlequin romance book cover novels and they're way more graphic than what my cover is mine is is tame but unfortunately that's been the big headache is that i can't actually advertise the book
0: so here's what i've learned about amazon and facebook for whatever reason they just decide that they don't like
1: you yeah And once they decide they don't like you, there's not much you can do about it. Well, you can keep pinging them back, but the same robot that keeps telling you that they don't like you will continue to keep telling you that they don't like you. Trying to get a real actual human being there is um, an interesting quest.
0: I've been in Facebook jail a couple of times. I have no idea how I ended up in Facebook jail, but I get this thing from Facebook saying, you know, you're banned for three days. You know, you violated our community standards. And I'm like, Okay, tell me what community standards I banned. What words did I use? I will gladly never use them again. Do you think you can get an answer to that question?
1: Nope. Nope. So okay, that, yeah, that has been the real, yeah, the struggle is trying to find out where in AI bot land I have offended the people that, and the irony is too, so the, the stock footage, the stock photo mm-hmm. that we've used for the cover, Actually came from Amazon and is actively used to promote everything from terry cloth robes, terry towels, to I've actually seen it for um, shirts and pants. Um, and yet I can't have it as the front cover of my book because it's it breaches their <laughs> their policy.
0: Well, what I would suggest to you is Amazon Kindle is now way better. So if you go into your Kindle back office, um, their contact us is now very good. And you can actually talk to someone, usually within a couple of minutes. So I would suggest
1: if that's something you really want to do, call them. Uh, and uh, my publisher has a pretty good inline to it. And they, they tend to, to laugh. Right now, it's, it's just a great PR story. Because even with the, the contact, the, the answer that we get back is, oh, you can, we, you, can, you can have the book. They will sell the book. You can list the book. You just can't advertise the book because it's indecent so your choices are don't advertise or change the cover and i refuse to change the cover yeah
0: yeah so tyler if people have been listening to you today and they're like oh i so need to talk to tyler i i need his help how can people get a hold of you
1: well, before they can get a hold of me, what they need to do is hit pause on whatever device they're listening to this on right now and recognize that you, Kim, do a whole bunch of work behind the scenes with Author2Authority. And this podcast, if it's helpful to any of the entrepreneurs or business owners or people who are trying to get into marketing or anybody who is finding value in this content, I think it would be a really good thing for them to hit pause right now. And on whatever device they're listening to this on and whatever platform, give you a five-star review because I know the amount of effort that goes into this. I have it easy being a guest. I just get to show up and be pretty and say the things that I say over and over and over again. You have the headache of having to actually make us sound good and interesting and then promote the hell out of it. So whoever is listening to this right now, If you enjoy the content that you've heard, whether it's mine or some another podcast or another show that you've listened to um, that Kim has done with Author to Authority, please, please, please pause the recording right now. Go give it a five-star review. And when you come back, I will tell you that the best way to reach me is at SeanTylerFoley.com. Sean is spelled S-E-A-N, the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R. F-O-L-E-Y.com. And when you're there, you can say, Tyler sent me, I have all my contact information there. And anybody who's listening, if you want, we, right on the front landing page, there is a download called The Method. That is an 11-page document, five insider secrets that I've put together over 35 years of public speaking to help you be more confident in speaking on the stage. That's my gift to your listeners, but I'm not giving it to them if they don't give you a five-star review. No (laughs) five-star review, no method for you.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Tyler. Well, you are such an easy guest to have on the show, and I did not need to make you look good. You did that yourself. So anyway, this has been Tyler Foley and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book, at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.